Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio. We're excited to welcome back travel writer and author Elaine Masters uh, back on the show. Now go to her website, tripwellgal.com. You can follow her on social media as well. She's been on our shows over the years talking about destinations, everything from Japan to Ely, Nevada, small town Ely, Nevada. And um, she's also an author. She uh, has written the book Drive Time Yoga. I remember that the very first time she came on the show, we talked about this, and it's an award-winning <laughs> book for Best Audio. But welcome back, Elaine. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Love what you're building. Oh, yeah. You know, we've got this new program, our Big Blend Club. So you're going to see a lot of more panel discussions for our audience to know. of Just people we know and like who've been on the show that we feel like, man, let's party. <laughs> That's really <laughs> it. But, you know, we like to party as we travel. But everybody has so many experiences. And I think, and I, I don't know if you find this as you travel, that we, we find more connections the more we travel, that mm. we're more connected than we think. And mm-hmm. I feel like if we do more travel, maybe we'll have a little bit more peace in the world. I, I certainly have hold that hope as well. Yeah, the hope. I know <laughs> you had that <laughs> thought, that hope. And, but I feel like there's so many connections and shared experiences. And people in life tend to do this thing where, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I'm only interested in this. And only like, you know, talk about this. And then you'll find out, oh, well, you know, I did this over here. And they'll go, Oh, yeah, I'm interested in that, too. We kind of mm. have that limited mindset. And so through travel and experiences, that's kind of what we're doing with all these new panel discussions for our audience. Now, we have a lot going on. It's coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming. The solar yeah. eclipse. We have a panel discussion. You're going to be on Ooh. soon, too. The solar eclipse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go to Mexico for that. I am. I'm going to go to the Nayarit area and then to Mazatlan. I'm going to meet some family members there. And we will spend several days in that region, but we're specifically going to be right in the center of the strongest point of the path of the eclipse. Now, don't you look at it. You know that, right? I do. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk more about that when we get to the eclipse. I know. I'm just messing with you a little bit, but I love that you're (laughs) going, you know, to Mexico for that. But let's start where... Where did the first, you know, do you remember your first road trip or travels? Do you remember, like, what was the bug that bit you? Like, where was it? Like, how did uh, it all happen? Oh, my parents were big time into road tripping. I'm, I'm old enough to remember the wood panel, the fake wood panel um, station wagon. Oh, that's and, awesome. And how... My parents would pile us into the car and drive from Southern California to San Francisco many times over the year. That's where they met. That's where some of my mom's family settled in San Francisco. And uh, we were in the Southern California suburbs when all this travel was taking place. We'd sleep in the back of the station wagon. At one point, my youngest brother was about three years old. And my father put a plank across going the length the width-wise of the car for him to sleep on. Yeah, I mean, it's totally illegal with what we do now. There was, This is before seatbelts were mandated. We live to tell the tale. You know, well, I remember growing up, you know, in, in Kenya and South Africa, and you could be sitting in the back of a pickup truck, and it was legal. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now it's, isn't it illegal to be in the back of a pickup truck like kids in the back if you're going down a highway and stuff? I think Unless it is. you have a seatbelt on and I have seen in trucks the, with, back of with a pickup. <laughs> now that but that's not what I remember either. <laughs> yeah. I think we kind of all piled in too in places, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. it was fun. And I think the element of danger is always good too. A little bit of, you know, you know, that yeah. there's always the element of danger in travel. Right. And right. Right. Getting out of the comfort zone and, and right. all of that. Um, right. And I saw that also with my parents. It, we at one point took trips. We were driving across the border when it was really easy to do. And we'd go down through Tijuana and through Tecate with the car full of kids and Tecate. camp on the beach before mm-hmm. Rosarito was really built up. We would stay yep. on the, the beach that were. Um, still open to the public. And every time we went back, it was built up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And one summer we spent three weeks driving all the way down to Guadalajara, to Mexico oh City, gosh. Mazatlan, Acapulco. And you were talking about fear. Um, my parents were not fearless, but my father had a, a sense of Spanish and he would go in to the panaderias in the mornings and we'd come out with a shopping bag full of <laughs> pastries for the family. There were four kids and my mom and dad. And we would camp and, and stay in these little places where there were no other tourists. You know, having a, a, a flat tire in the middle of a jungle road mm-hmm. where nobody's around and having to rely on, on others to help us. I learned that pretty early on. And... Uh, and we always, we always were fine. I mean, mm. we were very blessed and lucky. I don't think I would recommend that road trip with a bunch of kids today, but uh, there are places certainly across the country that are bear traveling to, as you well know. You know, it's it's interesting growing up in Kenya. And, um, this was in the seventies, late seventies, and I'm not dating myself anything, but as a little Why kid, not? you know. Um, you know, Nancy, I remember we were, you know, we had the van, the combi, as we called it. And um, we'd go out in safaris and, you know, we'd, we'd go down roads. And I remember, you know, flat tire, which always happened. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about, like, if you crossed a river, they'd put you on this makeshift sherry, ferry, like, not a ferry, uh, a raft. But Oof. it was like barrels underneath it that floated on the river. Someone pulling it, like, I don't know. Like, this, <laughs> you know. But it, the people out there in these remote areas would come and help you no matter what. But I remember getting a flat tire, literally going around the bend, and there was a pride of lions just sitting there. Ooh. And here we are, you know, hanging out, you know, thinking, oh, ha, ha. You know, we always got stuck in mud or whatever. But I think, I don't know about today. With It depends on where you go. Yeah, You know, like you're saying, there's still places, but I mean, we used to live in Ensenada and Rosarita Beach, I remember. Oh, you know. You know, in the 70s, like I have family that have been going down, like you're saying, you know, yeah. 60s, 70s, um, people would go down to Baja all the time from San Diego, yep. LA, and um, it was like part of life. And then people retired mm-hmm. there and that's, you know, became like a little expat community um, yes. in those areas. And life is simpler. And I think it's, we tend to build things up into a little land of crazy, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I think it's time to, you know, the more we travel, the better, but I love your, your start. Now as an adult, do you remember your first trip as an adult going, okay, I'm getting on a plane. Um, the plane, the, the plane. One, the plane. 
the, the most transformative one was when I realized that it's not difficult to travel internationally by myself mm. and, or, or, or as an adult, as a young adult, I had a friend and I was living in Juneau, Alaska. I had my dream job at the, um, the radio station there, which was an NPR you station. You were doing dramas. Yeah, you were doing like... I was doing radio dramas theater. a little bit later. Oh my gosh, yes. we, you've got to come on one of our crazy theater shows, but <laughs> oh, it's not it, going to be NPR style, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, but this were, these were the early days still of NPR. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, my friend uh, convinced me to take a six-month leave from my dream job to ask my boss for that. Insane, but I did it. Eventually, I had to be convinced and we took off to see the world. And I remember all the preparation, all the angst, everything that had to be worked out before we left and getting on the airplane and realizing it's all good. Even though I didn't have a set itinerary, I had an idea. We wanted to go as far as we could and back within six months on a limited budget. And at that time you could do it. Um, and ended up going all the way to Sri Lanka and working our way back with all kinds of adventures. It was amazing, but it was, I survived. I remember uh, seeing leopards in the wild. uh, Oh my gosh. All kinds of things that happened, but always came out fine. You know, lots of close encounters to things that could have gone sideways, but we were fine. Do you think it's also having a sense of observation to travel heighten your awareness of things? Absolutely. I think still that sense of wonder and curiosity is with me wherever I go. Mm-hmm. I, I was just telling you, I came back from the rafting the Grand Canyon, which yeah. is a crazy adventure. I was one of the oldest people on the trip and it was fine. I had a fantastic time. I love the rapids, but being in that place and especially I will never forget the night we were sitting, we had just had a camp style dinner. We had our little tents, cots all set up. We were sitting in a group. There's no lights. You're in a dark sky place. The canyon walls, you could see the shadow of them on the side of you. And the Milky Way above. It was exquisite. And then while we're sitting there, someone goes, what is that? And across the canyon goes a train of lights. And it was Starlink. No way. Would never have seen that in any other place. So I'm just saying that. If you open your eyes, you you will net the depths of experience are unlimited, and yeah. you constantly, if you just surrender to place and stay open and not worry about fear. I'm not talking about taking unnecessary risks. Stay with your gut, you know, be prepared as much as you can, and then let go and let life meet you. So I had that amazing experience. I would have missed completely unless someone had said, "Look up." <laughs> yeah that's really was, funny that you uh, say look up because as hiking right you we all love hiking parks and everything we tend to always look down as hikers mm. where our feet is you know well, good and, reason and, <laughs> and 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 whereas like when we're kids we're running around and looking and not looking at where our feet are going right and so it's funny yeah. how we yeah. tend to go this you know travel will kind of i think you remember to look up you remember those things you can have that balance between youth and then going okay i know too much now (laughs) you know become too precautionary we don't want to become too precautionary in you know if you when you start and that's true too i yeah i've started doing yeah i started doing some solo travels 
because my partner couldn't get away or he had already been to some of the places I wanted to, or he didn't, he wasn't interested in going to like India. He'd already been to Egypt. I went to Egypt by myself just a couple of months ago. And people said, you did what? <laughs> I just, I was doing research for a project I'm working on, long-term project, and I had some unfinished business I needed to address by putting myself in Egypt in these places. I love and that staying you said unfinished open, business. Like I just I've got unfinished business in Egypt, and I have to go by myself. <laughs> you know people's minds yeah. are wondering, what did you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well done. Well done. See the travel writer oh. in there. Yeah, well done. But yeah, I mean, going on your own, yeah, there's that, you've got to throw the, you, we're here once or maybe we reincarnate, but do we have control over our reincarnation or, you know, I'm just saying, yeah. I mean. Well, I, I don't want to have full control. I feel like I've learned at this point to surrender to I don't know, uh, deeper knowledge, creation. I'm not a religious person. I was raised Catholic, but I, I've moved into a different kind of spirituality and sense of, I just want to open up to higher powers or, you know, <laughs> I've, I've learned how to test at my, with my heart and my intuition, what works for me and mm. to try to stay out of judgment and, and let let the world come to me. So it it's been a, a very interesting um, mm, growth, I would say. And I don't know. I can't say where it's going, but I'm just saying I don't want to have full control. A lot of people want that. It takes too much energy. I won't get it right. I'm just not that kind of person. I need to to stay open and to keep moving forward. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. I think travel. I don't know how to explain lessons, it. Up. Right. Yeah, no, no. So tell everybody about, you know, um, I know you've written books before, you've done, you know, radio plays and theater, and obviously a bunch of travel. Um, you're still writing articles, and everyone can find you on tripwellgal.com. But now I know you've, you're writing, mm -hmm. you're writing more than one memoir, right? Or is it one? No, just one, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to take one at a time. I had to learn after years of, like, in... I guess journalism and, and not really copywriting, but content writing, blogging, um, working on articles for other magazines in that approach. I, it, the style has changed where you put yourself more in the story, even in newspapers now. Mm -hmm. And I, it came to me slowly, especially during the pandemic years and different writers groups I was attending online, like everybody doing something online. I learned that what memoir really is. I had thought it was something that was very self-serving, vanity, all that stuff. But I've learned that I'm now in a a, a critique group and I'm also in a uh, memoir certification process right now Ooh. that's helping me to immerse into, into what that really means to write a memoir. And it's it's been a whole process of honing down the stories with one particular thread. I mean, this is... I guess obvious to everybody who reads a lot of memoirs, but I, I hadn't for years and now I'm finding it's a challenge and it's wonderful to be learning new skills. And, uh, this one is about, it incorporates travel, it incorporates a series of events in my life that are off the wall, um, unexplainable in a linear sense, but have oh. led, led me to where I am. And I'm hoping that 
when I get the book finished and out in the world, that it will encourage others to perhaps approach things in a little bit more of an open way as well. You know, let the world come to us. We don't have to take it all on. You know, we're so, we're so, um, mm, product oriented that it can, it can be crippling in a lot of ways, especially for someone like myself. I can't say what's right for everybody, but, um, for myself, that's what's worked. Well, you know, um, I think, yeah, yeah, because people identify with things. That's why stories are so important. And I think that's why, like, even as we move into doing more panel discussions and conversations Mm. on shows, it's about giving three or four or five sides to a story. So someone may not have resonated here, can resonate there and find that identity because, no, we're not all the same, but we'll align with someone's personality or experience and and grow from that and stories. And that's so interesting about the travel writing because like Nancy, you know, she, she was writing um, newsletters and that's how she ended up in Africa. And she was writing all the animal mm-hmm. stuff and ended up working with Joe Adamson and all that in Kenya because of her art and all of that. But she was writing for newspapers when she would go over and you did not put yourself in there. I mean, even right now in media, now we have the big drama going on, even on yeah. news journalists, like you're not allowed to have an opinion. And, you know, there's there's stuff where you want the news and then you need to say, okay, here's my opinion. This over here sucks or it doesn't or whatever, whatever it is, right? So it's kind of mm-hmm. this weird, like you're reading someone who's just stating the facts, ma'am, not that's all you're supposed to do. But travel is about an adventure and how you got through it. Mm-hmm. And it could have been like, oh, we went through hell with this tire and then the end of it, holy cow, those lions could have eaten us, but they didn't. <laughs> and then we, st- we sat just around the corner. I mean, literally around the bend and, you know, spent an hour hanging out with the lions going, you want to get out and play with the tire now? Uh, no. But, you know, so it's, um, I I think it's interesting because, if you if we didn't write about the tire and the lions, you would just go, you could see lions in this park and they're yeah. beautiful and describe the lion. Now, if you didn't put in the story about breaking down, would it have been as enticing? It would be less universal. It wouldn't have the yeah. emotional connection. Uh, I, that's an important thing for a reader to, you know, we're bombarded. This is, a trope, but we're bombarded with so much information and so many facts and so many um, visual stimulation, so much visual stimulation that that we need to have a focus in order to get the story out and to mm-hmm. resonate with people. And that, that, I think, is through a sense of feeling and universality. Who hasn't had a flat tire or been part of that who has ever driven a car or ridden in one. I've Um, had truckers help me with flat tires. Two trucks, two trucks, those giant ones with cattle in them, which I always go, oh, the poor cows. And then they were so nice and they helped me. And, you know, and you have this conversation and I think, you know, that kind of thing, we're really lucky. And those are those moments where you go, man, humanity still exists. No matter what the news says, humanity, if you get out there and, so those are things. So I love what you're doing about this memoir side because I think it encourages people to go, you know what? She got through it. I can do it. Yeah. You know, and those stories. And also in the world of artificial intelligence, mm. what do you think? How important is memoir now? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
right? Hello, who has the memories, right? Yeah, yes. that's a very interesting thing. I, I have just dab- started dabbling with how that can be used as a tool in writing for various forms of writing, like I'm writing up some of the stories of my experience in Egypt. So I said, well, what would, you know, chat AI <laughs> tell me about the top things to do in Egypt? And there was a list. It came up in just a flick of an, an eyelid, you know, and it was very interesting. And this is what's happening in the travel sphere. People are doing that. And then they work off that list. Well, they miss so much. And they end up in the same places as everybody else and wonder, why is that so crowded? Um, story is so important in order to help you um, prune <laughs> to to find the things that really resonate with you as a traveler and on the trips that we take in time and money and, and being there. It, t- it takes so much effort and expense t- to be able to travel and you want to make the most of it. How are you going to make it work for you? And just relying on a, a, a robot to give you information and that it's also drawing from a couple of years ago because it can only yeah. shoot out as much as it, it's been given. It's, it's what other people have put in and all the good. It's exactly. like Google gone. Hey, I find it's going to be interesting to see what happens between AI and Google and yeah. all of, yeah, what's going to happen? Is this the new search engine? And everybody's battling over stealing content, basically, right? Right. To to return it out there. But like if you go like, okay, I was down the streets and, you know, right, walking in the Mecca of Morocco. Like I'm out and, you know, this guy was there and he had this mint tea and he just had come in with fresh mint and made some mint tea. Was he there every time? But I had this mint tea in this conversation. Mm-hmm. That means more to me than... Mm-hmm. And I've never had mint tea in Morocco, but I've always wanted to. You know? I want that experience. Too. I do. Don't, uh, yeah, I love mint tea, but um, <laughs> but, you but you see what, what you just did. You you yeah. just mentioned sensory experience. You were walking. You were touching things. You were smelling the tea, tasting the tea. You were looking at this person who's helping you and looking where you're going. A robot can't do that. Exactly. So that's why I think what you're doing, writing memoir, that's important. That's that's going to be the next thing that counteracts AI. Well, I hope so. I don't know. I, I didn't quite I think of that until we're you were going. on the show here. I'm like, you know what? This is something that we really need. Yeah. Yeah. We need to we need to be aware, stay aware, and not just fear it. I think. You know, we can't just trust government and agencies to, to do the right thing. This has just been thrown into our laps. What? Are like you kidding it or not. me? What? I can't trust any government anywhere in any country for anything. <laughs> like, I'm not, ent- yeah, well, yeah. You can't we think because, that's another discussion. I, yeah, I that's a whole other, I'm like, those. that's our rants, raves, and rock and roll show. Like, <laughs> we don't even do that anymore because, well, we oh. kind of do, but. That's a whole other drama, but yes, it is. But it's true; you can't have people dictate your life. You can't. No, you can't. And um, I, I, you know, at the same time, I've also seen how how having structures can help us with experience too. So, from a child having rules and regulations it needs to learn in order to be able to sure. grow and be part of society, you know, having. I, I do believe we need government. We need some kind of yeah. rules and regulations sure. to help us. I mean, there's so many of us and we need, we need structure in order to, to function as societies and communities. At least I do. 
that's much I can say. I'm not not going to go out and live in the desert. And I applaud people who do. And I'm totally enamored with talking to them too. <laughs> yeah, and no, but I agree with you. I mean, government is there for regulation, and I, I mean, I'm not yeah. I'm not an anarchist yeah. or anything like that. But yeah. there's a you, you've got to be involved. You have to be oh, involved, and yeah. I, I think it's about yeah. being involved in life. You can't complain about places and where you live or community. If you don't get involved, you can't just right. wah, 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 you know, or get right. angry. You have to get involved. And I think traveling makes you really understand places where, you know, you can go to places that they're not, you can tell, oh, there's no pride in community and like San Diego, like Encinitas, where, you know, you live in San Diego and Encinitas. I remember when we first got to this country and started the magazine in San, in San Diego, Ah. And um, DEMA, the Downtown Encinitas Main Street Association, was just forming and working with the Main Street Association. And the first thing was putting flower baskets up. And we'd go to these meetings every week. And, you know, and I was so scared. I was so young and, like, so scared to even stand up and say my name. Like, I know that sounds really weird. But no. anyway, <laughs> you, you know, I was like 19 Someplace. going, I don't know these people. Um, no, I was a little older than that. But um it, it was interesting because watching Encinitas go through this progression of, I mean, it's always been a community, but it's a beach community. It's relaxed, yet at the same time, it's got its, you know, unrelaxed side too. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? There's this balance that you need to find. Yeah. And yeah. they did it and it started with flowers. And I'm like, well, this is cool, man. And they had a cool mm -hmm. bakery. Go Peter Norby. Um and they had like, you know, all these amazing things. And it was these discussions of what they want to become. And I just remember going, what, a, you know, I didn't realize how that would teach me so much later in tourism and travel right. and what com the community connection to tourism and travel is such a big deal. But it started mm -hmm. with flowers and you could see the pride in people about the flowers and the flower mm -hmm. baskets. And now everywhere, every time Nancy and I go somewhere, we see flower baskets. We're like community pride, caring yes. education yes. means that it means taking care of things. And yeah, it's just an interesting thing to kind of be part of when you think about the community spirit. And I think that's not part of travel. You, not everyone right. does the flower baskets the same way. Right, right, right. <laughs> yes. Someone's flower basket could be a roundabout like they have in New Zealand, you know. It's just they've they decided that this was gonna be the way that they would make it easier for people to get from one part of town to the other and, and they're yeah, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I wanted to say that that one thing about community pride is that it can be expressed in so many different ways. And we're so fortunate that we can afford in communities here to do these beautification projects and yet I have been in villages, say, in Mexico or in the Philippines, where the streets are swept clean every morning, that people come outside and take care of their stoop in a, a village in India. You know, they wash things down as best they oh, might yes. ha not have anything else, but this is what they do. And it, you hope that the, the city fathers and mothers that are behind the organizations you know, share that pride and help to instill it. But I also have seen uh, in other places where we as uh, the Western world have exported some of our problems, like the plastic waste that I experienced on the streets in Lembe and in, in um, Indonesia, where they don't have a tradition or they didn't when I was there 
of uh, regular trash removal. It just, you threw things in the stream from the days when you were eating off of banana leaves and now you're eating out of packages of potato chips and stuff and you throw the papers in the stream and they get washed away. Well, we know where that ends up and they end up on the beaches and I'm not criticizing the people, but I'm just saying we have a responsibility when we travel to see when I come home, how important it is to take care of our, our own spaces and how if we have the opportunity to work with others in other places around the world to help them in any way we can as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. When you travel, you understand the greater community and the connections. Yeah. We did full circle. Look at this. That's how we started off. How about that? Yeah, but it's true. It's um, When you travel, you realize that we are connected in so many ways and you start to understand why there's problems where when you travel, and, and I, I wanted to touch on this too because I think you really get this, is travel is not just seeing the monuments and it's not just seeing those, you know, famous sites like the Louvre, which obviously I want to go to, you know, but it's, um, it's exactly seeing what you're, you're seeing the real stuff, right? Mm. How, you know, is that, you know, you know, potato chip bag going down the river. Mm -hmm. So when someone gets mad at people and go, oh, well, they're just this way. You can go, no, they're this way because of generations of doing something. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, when we lived in Mexico, and it's in, uh, south of Ensenada by La Bufadora. I'm sure you've been to La Bufadora, the blowhole, that area. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's where we used to live. And at that time, you know, they were excited because they were getting things like Pizza Hut and Costco. Oh. And, and, and there was a thing about, you know, a new airport. And we're like, no, no. And they're like, we want what you have over there. Yeah. And it is our country and we want to progress. And we're going, it's not progression. It's not, you know. But, and they will you learn. Know, <laughs> but you, so there's that communication. We'd have these conversations and it was like, all right, you know, it is their country. And, you know, you, mm-hmm. you can't tell somebody what to do with their country and, and then live in it or visit it. It's their country. But yeah. they thought it, that was civilization when we were there at that time, that that makes and- sense. Yeah, and we thought that was... Not civilization, but progression. That's the wrong word. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, and I've I've seen the ravages of some of that, too, in different places where some of the big box stores are moving in, and and the little tiny markets, how are they going to survive? We are luckily an adaptable species as much as possible, and especially economically, And but I think that's going to become more and more important as we go forward, and I certainly... I certainly, um, it's been an education for me to understand the intrinsic colonial points of view that I have grown up with, you know, that, oh, yeah. um, I, I, you know, there's this, you know, the white savior complex and all that. I, I just, I don't want to participate in that. I want to learn from the places I go to and not that I'm bringing in something that is going to help them necessarily. I'll do what I can, but I want to do it authentically. So I've been looking for more experiences in travel to be able to do that. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I know that you're big on sustainability as well and how we can travel better. You know, Mm -hmm. we shouldn't, you know, travel is transformative. It's regenerative if it's done in the right way. We should Mm -hmm. be adding to a community, not taking away or giving them something they don't want. You know, if we add, it should be positive. And and that I don't mean it in just in dollars and cents, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. there's but there's that too you know when we oh, can they like, need that yeah. yeah yeah yes yeah 
I mean, I'm, I'm concerned about the future of, of tourism, but, um, you know, just staying aware and conscious of what can I do. But when I went to Egypt, I made a very conscious decision to take a certain amount of money. I usually go to one of these places and I will buy my Christmas presents. And mm-hmm. so I share those with the family. But I try to travel light too. And I realized on this trip that my partner had gone to Egypt 10, 15 years ago with his kids. He brought home all these souvenirs. I don't need them. We have, you know, the papyrus, painted papyrus and things like that already in the house. So I realized I don't want to buy souvenirs on this trip. I bought a few little things, but the rest of the money that I would have spent, and this I can say is a privileged white American, I took and I put it into cash into Egyptian pounds. And I just tipped because their culture depends on that. And it was something that I usually don't do a lot of. But one thing the pandemic has taught me is that we need to support the people that are serving, providing service, whether it's hospitality, the foods we eat, um, you know, because they're not getting and often living wages. And I would talk to the guides and the tour operators and the bus drivers when I could about what what are what's the situation for you and your family now and it has changed and they have adopted more of the american lifestyle where people depend on tips for part of their their sustenance and um so i was very happy to as much as i could offer you know a cash thank you sincere Mm -hmm. thank you not just you know leaving a tip and walking away but letting them know that this is just part of my appreciation and Mm -hmm. um and and I feel blessed and a lot of gratitude that I was able to do that. And at the same time, I'm traveling as a, a very budget tri- trip sure. as much as I could. So um, I would like to do more, but I think it's important to find a balance there between buying the services, paying for the services, the foods, getting them on the street, working with locals as much as you can, and then then offering them a token of appreciation as much as we can as well. I think too often we forget that. We just think it's a given and that yeah, they're, yeah. they're on salary and they'll be taken care of. And it's not always the case. And each place is different. So like yes. you found out what they needed and, you know, sometimes it's food, sometimes it's pencils and paper. Sometimes, yes. Yes. you know, every place is different. And just to see what you yes. can do to give back, to be part of it. And yes. that means you're part of the community. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to think so. And yeah. and I want to support more slow travel as I as much as I can to be able to be part more of the, to be more a part of the community. Awesome. Elaine, it is so good to have you back on the show. We can't wait for panel discussions. The solar eclipse is coming soon. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the conversation as well, um, but the eclipse is coming. April, it's April, right? 2020. It is. That people it should is. Be I think it's the 8th of April, somewhere yeah. right around there. Wow. Yeah. Very exciting. Woo-hoo. Very cool. So everyone keep up with Elaine at tripwellgal.com. And what's the best place on social media for people to follow you? Um, you will find me under my name, Elaine Masters. You also find me under tripwellgal. And my old moniker on Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, was tripwellness. Um, X- and I learned pretty spot. quickly I'm not a therapist. I am a, a creative. So I went with tripwellgal. So very cool. Very cool. Good to have you back on. And uh, we'll talk yeah. soon. I look forward to it. Thank you, everyone, for listening here to Big Blend Radio. Keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com.